Welcome to the Cumberland River Compact's River Talks podcast. In each episode of River Talks, we explore a new topic related to the health, enjoyment, and protection of the Cumberland River Basin's water, people, and special places. We sit down with experts, artists, researchers, professionals, and more to share their knowledge and experiences. I'm Katherine Price, your River Talks host. Be sure to subscribe to River Talks to be notified of every new episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast. The United Nations General Assembly has proclaimed 2021 to 2030 as the Decade on Ecosystem Restoration. The decade positions the restoration of ecosystems as a major nature-based solution towards meeting a wide range of global development goals and national priorities. The healthier our ecosystems are, the healthier the planet and its people. The Cumberland River Compact addresses the root causes of water quality issues, often through ecosystem restoration. Our goals with restoration are to mimic nature, protect vital habitat, and replenish stream flows. Depending on the situation, we use a variety of techniques to do this, from green infrastructure to dam removals to stream bank stabilization. We complement our restoration work with community engagement across a watershed to address these issues on a broader level. Mansker Creek is a well-known and well-loved stream in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, that meanders through neighborhoods and communities before entering the Cumberland River near Mosswright Park. Like many of our urban streams, Mansker Creek has several water quality impairments, including high levels of sediment and pathogens. Heavy urbanization and increased runoff in the area created conditions of severe bank erosion in parts of Mansker Creek, contributing to sedimentation in the creek, among other problems. To address the problem, we worked with the City of Goodlettsville and KCI Technologies to repair the eroded bank in Mosswright Park and to restore the creek. In this podcast, Will Kaflinor, Field Operations Supervisor with the Cumberland River Compact, speaks to Adam Spiller and Zach Morenza with KCI Technologies about this stream restoration project and how it addressed the root causes of water quality issues in Mansker Creek. We explore the process of restoration and how these projects can make our streams more resilient into the future. Hey guys, I'm Will Kaplanor from the Cumberland River Compact. I'm field operations supervisor. I oversee all of our field work. We are joined by Adam and Zach from KCI today. Um, I'll let Adam kind of tell a little bit about himself and then let Zach follow up. I'm Adam Spiller um, and I work at uh, KCI Technologies and we're a multidisciplinary engineering firm uh, with offices in Nashville. And I I manage our natural resources group. Um, So we do everything from stream and wetland restoration mitigation to dam removal, permitting, um, MS4 support. Um, So I kind of help with project management and um, staff management uh, in that group. And I'm Zach Marenza. I'm our construction manager. Um, Been with KCI for about 15 years. Um, Basically run our construction entity uh, here in Nashville. Um, But we do work all over the state of Tennessee, North Carolina, Indiana. Um, so basically the, the hands-on construction side of, uh, of what we do from the engineering side. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yes. Yeah, so we have worked with KCI on several different projects. Um, one of our favorite things about their organization is that they, they have both design and construction in-house, which really helps kind of uh, bring together uh, all of these loose ends. So um, we wanted um, in particular to talk about one exciting project. 
um, and, and, and focus on it a little bit and kind of talk about how that kind of lays out with, um, with stream bank stabilization and, and kind of the future of, of, of restoration in, in this capacity. So we're gonna to focus today on our Mansker Creek large restoration project. So this is part of a, a larger grant that's built to um, reduce um, impairments. So Mansker is impaired for siltation and pathogens, um, both of which uh, are addressed by a lot of different things within this grant. So there was, you know, components of uh, public outreach, there's components of public education, and then there are a lot of kind of uh, stormwater green infrastructure type fixes too. Um, but one of the most exciting things we did in this project was uh, we had a very, very large scale restoration project within phase one. We've, we've done a couple other since, but this, this first one in particular uh, was really, really cool. When talking about Mansker Creek um, and the restoration out there, what were some of the major issues um, that the stream bank stabilization helped to address? For one thing, Mansker Creek is it's a big channel. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's 33 square miles is the drainage there. And, and I, I will give uh, the city of Goodlettsville some credit because they had been maintaining a small area of trees along the edge of um, Mansker Creek for the most part. Um, but with the urbanization, um, because almost all of Goodlettsville drains to Mansker Creek. So with the urbanization, there had been more runoff, more flashy flows, and the stream had started to widen a little bit and have more bank erosion. And along Moss Wright Park, uh, that bank um, in Mansker Creek, there was, um, the toe of the bank had started to uh, erode. And eventually there were areas where there was large, like just catastrophic bank failure. Um, and this would happen in a 100 foot section or a 200 foot section or a 300 foot section. And so our projects kind of were addressing um, a few of those areas. And when these bank failures, failures were, would occur, um, the trees that were remaining on the banks were mostly at the top of the bank. So they would be undermined and then the whole tree would just fall into the channel and it would take literally tons and tons of sediment from the stream banks and throw it in a Mansker Creek and that would all go downstream to the Cumberland River. Um, and uh, in the Cumberland Basin, sediment is one of the, the, the biggest issues. It's one of the biggest, you know, problems is how much sediment is going in there. So, um, you know, the real goal was to stop this erosion, stop the sediment inputs into Mansker Creek and then the Cumberland. Um, but also the city was really one of these projects to happen too, because they had greenways that were actually just falling into the channel. Um, so it was a great partnership to be able to kind of help them out on their kind of the infrastructure things and then help out on the natural side of things by doing these bank stabilization projects as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to reiterate how great of a partnership it was to have the city of Goodlettsville helping out. One of the things we've really noticed in, in designing these 319 um, restoration grants are to kind of build them off of a large scale restoration project, right? So we, we know we kind of have the matching funding coming in. We know we have the big site to kind of build around. So um, this was a, a really good representation of that, honestly. So how was the solution um, conceived and designed? Um, and also, how was this project similar or different to other projects you guys have done? For, for these projects, um, we really wanted to uh, come up with a design solution that was going to work on a, a large scale for large banks because these banks were 15 to 20 feet tall um, and we really needed these uh, to be stable in the long run and to be resilient um, and but we also knew that you know we don't want to get back in there and do maintenance which does have to happen on some stream restoration type projects so we wanted it to be also robust enough where it was going to stay for the long haul um, so you know we and we also another thing is that we had to look at where the bank uh, stabilization 
needed to take place in respect to um, if it was in a bend or if it was in a straight section of the stream. Because on Mansker Creek, we had a few different stabilization areas and they were all kind of different scenarios, um, whether or not they were on gravel or if there was bedrock there. Um, so, you know, the solution that we came up with, um, you know, we used a, a kind of a boulder toe right along the toe of the bank, the bottom part of the bank. And what that really did is it, it made sure that um, there was not going to be that erosion at the bottom of the bank that would then cause destabilization on the top of the bank. And we used that boulder toe and then above the boulder toe, um, we wanted to use a bioengineering practice. And bioengineering is kind of the combination of using kind of nature to help stabilize things. Um, so with that, we uh, built uh, what we called a vegetated soil lifts. And so that's kind of, we sloped the bank back, but we did it um, in layers of soil. And those layers of soil were kind of wrapped in a uh, biodegradable fabric made out of coconut husks called coir matting. Um, so we, and when you build things in those layers and you make them compact, that soil becomes very stable. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were doing it in a way um, that, you know, as soon as we left there, if there was some big flows gonna come through, it was gonna be stable. And in between those soil lifts, um, we put uh, live cuttings from different plants that grow along streams um, like uh, silky willow, uh, black willow, silky dogwood, elderberry. And these are all plants that grow in, along stream banks. So the purpose is that in the long run, when some of the, that biodegradable uh, fabric starts to biodegrade, um, the trees that grow up there are gonna be the ones that really hold the bank together. So that's the long-term solution there. You have the, you know, and, and, it, and it's just robust enough with the boulder toe so that, you know, it's gonna really stay for the long haul. Um, and also the bank is sloped back at an angle that's gonna be um, stable for the long haul as well. Um, so with that combination of, of kind of pieces, that, that's kind of how we came to that. We also had in one of the big channels, where we, in one of the big areas where we did the stabilization, we installed a couple of uh, boulder veins. And what those do is those are right on the toe of the slope, um, right on the toe of the bank. And those kind of help turn the water. And this is where when the uh, channel kind of did a curve and a bend in the river, um, it kind of pushes the water back towards the channel so that it doesn't want to come and hit the bank as hard. Um, and so we use that in a couple of places where we are on a bend. And when we did uh, straight sections of channel, we didn't have to do those because the water was already going straight down um, the river. We didn't have to turn it at all. Awesome, awesome, v very, very great answers. At this point, I kind of wanted to ask Zach a couple things about, um, about kind of the implementation side of things. So, you know, uh, I, at least the way I interpret things, Adam, you're more so design, you know, kind of, uh, you know, working beforehand, and then that kind of falls into uh, Zach and his crew where they're actually doing the implementation side of things. So, Zach, did you, uh, in doing this project, did you run into any unexpected things when you were doing construction? Um, and there was one, I think you and I have had a couple conversations talking about a little bit um, how uh, implement, implementing these things can be a little bit more art than science. Um, so if you could expand kind of on those things a little bit, I, I think that'd be really great. Correct. Um, fortunately, we uh, we didn't run into too many issues. Um, you know, the biggest thing from especially the first two sections that we that we did there was trying to get that stuff done in a timely manner because we were pushed back in like the fall um, for before you know the wet season came. So the the timing of what we did for those was was very important. 
um, we were able to keep that schedule. And fortunately, we we got everything in and done before I think we had a, a pretty record amount of rainfall and, and that whole area there was underwater for a few weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, it's it's more just a, it's a logistical thing. Um, just making sure you, you have the right equipment and the right people to do um, what you need to do there. Um, the materials, getting in that stuff. Um, again, you know, props to Goodlitzville who allowed us some good access there, um, helped us out with, with taking some of the debris off and, and taking some of the extra soil and stuff um, you know, within the park for them to use at a later time. Um, so that, that everything else besides that, um, you know, we had some, uh, the first part of it to around that bend that Adam was talking about, um, there was some uneven bedrock around that part. So for us to kind of create that boulder toe around, we had to make sure we were keeping all that level and within that and when everything's not, you know, pieced together, it's uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, playing Jenga with, with boulders there, uh, trying to stack those up and kind of keep those level around there. Um, and as for, you know, kind of being the, you know, the creative side of things, you know, we always joke about um, the person, especially with kind of the niche that we do with stream restoration, you know, the person in that piece of equipment is kind of like the artist and, you know, the, and, and the, the buckets his brush and he basically has to kind of create, you know, a, a, an artwork or masterpiece with that because not everything is cut and dry with, you know, where we are, not everything's on a level surface, not everything's, you know, dry all the time. So there's, there's a lot of things that we have to, you know, uh, overcome to kind of get those things to where we want them to be. I, I can remember, you know, one project in particular with you guys, and I don't even think this was associated with us. I think this was something you guys did on your own and brought us out to. Um, but when you guys were rerouting a stream from a field, um, kind of watching you work in some of those uh, snags and, and wood debris kind of in along the bank too, you know, here, here and there, I, I think that was a pretty good representation of, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's not just as cut as dry, cut and dry as it looks like on an engineering sheet, you know, when you're looking at design. So um, that's really cool. Um, one more thing, one more question for you, Zach. Um, do you know the approximate um, length of, 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 of the restoration site and about how long it took you guys to carry this out? Probably around 200 feet, 250 feet to, to 300 feet each, each major section that we did. And then we did that kind of emergency repair one um, at the top there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was, uh, again, fortunate enough, we, we had very good weather. Um, so that, that helped things move along fairly quickly. So it was about a four week process on, on both of the, you know, on each section. Okay. Biggest thing was, is, is getting, getting the material there. Cause once, once all the materials there, I mean, we had, I think we had over 300 tons of boulders delivered, uh, for each section. So, I mean, getting, getting the materials there, getting everything set up and getting us to a point where we're working, you know, that was more time consuming part, but getting, getting in the stream, building the toe, building the lifts, that was kind of more streamlined. And, you know, at that point we know what we're doing and it's kind of copy and paste and, and we rock and roll with that. Yeah. I'll say one of the things that I, I always look at with construction and I kind of admire some of the, with the work that, that Zach does is that he makes, you know, a site like this, we were in a very busy local park. Um, so, you know, and, and they were transporting this equipment, you know, over sports fields and all over the place. And this project worked really well because the city, again, was a great partner and the Parks and Rec was, was a great partner. Um, but also just to be able to do that and handle the logistics and not tear up all the fields and put everything back in good shape. 
Um, you know, that's not related to the stream project itself, but it's a really necessary part of things and takes a lot of care. Um, so it's, it, it, that ends up being a big part of the construction project just by itself. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. that and, that and uh, uh, community relations. Because you know, once you start putting a piece of equipment on the ground, everybody that walks by is, what are you, what are you doing there? there? What's going on? How's, how long, how long are you going to be? When's, when's the Greenway going to be open? Oh, is it not open yet? When's it going to be, when's it going to be? So yeah, so definitely uh, public relations on top of constructing things. Is right. One of those things too, for that, especially that project. And, and I remember you guys were working at a, it was, it was the fall, correct? Uh, when you guys implemented this. So yeah, that's, you know, there were tons of people out there, you know, every time we were, I, I totally remember that. Uh, one thing I definitely want to reiterate that, that Zach mentioned is um, pretty soon after the initial construction of this first one, um, this thing was underwater. They've all been underwater now, I'd say about half a dozen or so times, and we have not had any failure at all in the um, stabilization component of it, which to me, is amazing. Um, I was super nervous the first couple of times it happened, but now I'm not so nervous. Uh, you know, with flooding, we had a little bit of, you know, die off with some of our plants that we planted initially, but I've, I've really been pleasantly surprised with, with how this has turned out. And, you know, this, these seem pretty bomb proof to me, to be honest. So, um, in talking about kind of the flooding, um, we're very close, uh, to the confluence of the Cumberland. I know, um, you know, a lot of times Manskers actually looks like it's flowing backwards because the Cumberland is managed in such a way that, you know, that level needs to be up. So because the restoration site is near the confluence of the Cumberland, how did that impact the problems at the site? Um, and how did it impact the solution you guys put into place? One thing is that we had, we had to just realize that, yes, it's going to be underwater. And um, that when that soil, you know, thinking about it from a technical perspective, when that soil does become waterlogged and then the water does recede, it, we had to make sure that the angle of the banks is put back at an angle where the the weight of the soil wouldn't all just collapse all down um, down you know which which is what happens with a lot of these catastrophic failures is that you get large portions of bank that just move because they're so full of water um, and we had to make sure that the angle of the bank uh, and the design was at an angle that that wasn't going to happen um, also using the soil lifts uh, does help hold a lot of that stuff together you know, th those are things to think about. And then in the long term for the kind of the resiliency part of that is just making sure that we use enough vegetation in the uh, soil lift. So that's those live whips that I was talking about. And we also put in live stakes, which are just branches of those same species that will grow. And we really want that to take off because that's what's gonna end up holding it together for the long term. Um, and, and so far that's what we've been seeing. I mean, you know, I, I agree. I was worried because I feel like we got off that site and within a week or two, it was completely underwater. Yeah. And there was no vegetation that had grown at all. There was nothing. And then when the water came down, it looked just like we left it, which I was super happy with. But now that there's been a couple of growing seasons, um, you know, you can go out there and it's, it's, it's very green. There's a lot of vegetation growth. Um, and that's really what I, I wanna see. And that helps me sleep better at night when you know, I know these future storms are coming and I know it's gonna be underwater. Um, so that, that's kind of what I really like to see. Awesome. Yeah. You know, this is a very interesting site being in Goodlettsville, um, you know, close to the Cumberland. So we, so we back up, you know, the, 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 uh, the river backs up or the Creek backs up a little bit. We're near the Highland Rim. So, you know, we get a little bit more flashiness and, uh, we're in a satellite city in Goodlettsville that doesn't have LID requirements currently. So it did kind of seem, you know, like there were kind of the compilation of a lot of different stresses on, on this. So, 
yeah, I'm like you guys. If I, I feel pretty confident that if this can hold up, you know, most of them can. This, you know, the images on this are just, they blow my mind. We're looking, you know, at 25 feet of straight up and down incised bank. You know, Adam, you said just tons of sediment being dropped into this stream constantly. You know, I, from the first time I looked at it um, to the, you know, the last time before the restoration was done on this, uh, actually this was on the second site, um, you know, I could account for about eight to 10 inches of, 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 of land loss just, um, uh, just within a year or so. So, I mean, this was rapidly falling, you know, the, I think you mentioned that Parks was losing some, some greenway. Uh, they were actually losing it in like three different areas and there's a couple more that are happening as well. So super intense, intense project, um, super awesome project as well. Uh, so yeah, just, you know, in talking about, uh, you know, kind of uh, for future projects, um, what can we do to make streams more resilient to increase flows from extreme weather? Vegetation, you know, along the stream banks and not developing up to the edge of the stream banks. I mean, that, that really, um, that does a few things is that the vegetation that's there um, can actually uh, hold the stream in place um, so that it does not, you know, degrade in the future. Um, but also if you're not developing up to the edge of the stream and you're not developing within that floodplain of the stream, you can actually let some of the natural course take its place. You know, if, if we weren't worried about, you know, some of these banks eroding that much, um, it will eventually heal itself. It's just going to take a super long time and there's going to be a lot of that sediment going into the channel. In, in those cases, we want to jump in and do something. Mm -hmm. um, if this is happening someplace where, you know, maybe there's not as much development, maybe you can let some of that go. Um, but, you know, it's still better to, to kind of get in there and, and be kind of proactive. The, one of the things about stream restoration that we do in a lot of our projects, though, is we do excavate a floodplain um, mm -hmm. so that there's actual storage in, in the river corridor itself. Um, and in those situations, we're taking material and uh, we're, we're taking it out of the floodplain and we're taking it somewhere else. So there's more storage there and also adding things like wetlands um, that can help capture water. Um, and then you had mentioned LID. That's, you know, a very good way to prevent the water from getting to the streams so fast. And that really helps prevent the flashy flows. So it's really a watershed approach that we're trying to accomplish um, in the future for these things to prevent these things. And, you know, we're looking at, at doing these these projects and it's kind of like we're addressing the, the issues that have come up and what we need to do in the long run for resilience is prevent the issues from happening at all. Absolutely. Um, so it's kind of a multi-step and multi-pronged approach, I think, in, in that way, especially for resilience of our communities, especially with a lot of the flooding that has been going on. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. You know, I, I think the, the most obvious way that I kind of think of that is like, you know, this is, I, this is obviously classified as like a non-point source pollution issue, right? This isn't, you know, we can't just go and fix a leaky sewage infrastructure, right? Or there's not gonna be, you know, one implementation on, on, a, on a site um, or one LID implementation on a given site that is going to make a huge impact, right? This really is everyone having to, having to do stuff and, and, and really relies on, on smart design. Within the compact, we offer a lot of different um, stabilization. Uh, we kind of uh, break it into two different classifications, major restoration or major stream bank stabilization. Um, for our purposes is anything over like five feet of incised bank. And that's when we say, hey, I, you know, we can't handle this on ourselves with, with our technical ability. We need to contract out to, um, to engineers, to, to you, know, uh, you know, people that are, that are more qualified to do that. Um, how do you guys deal kind of in the differences between 
scales of restoration. You know, we, we you can think of Mansker, which is pretty wide stream. You can think of the Cumberland River, something huge. And then we've also got these, you know, small, smaller intermittent streams as well. How do you guys uh, prepare for those? Well, we can't, you can't use the exact same techniques for everything. Um, you know, we, a lot of our projects are on streams that are smaller. So three square miles or less, um, even like half square mile streams, you know, these are small streams, some of them are intermittent. And those are super important too. There's a piece of the whole puzzle because kind of the health of our watersheds really uh, is dependent on the headwaters of our watersheds as well. But um, like I said before, it really has to be that multi-pronged approach. So we have to go to the big streams and address some of the major issues there. Because um, like with Mansker, there are literally tons of sediment that are going into the stream every year. And we have to address those. Those are major problems. Um, as a design approach, you have to use a very different approach as well. Um, you may have to be more heavy handed with some of the larger channels. Um, and those are expensive projects too, because you know, you're moving a lot of dirt um, you know, you have to go through uh, an extensive permitting process. Um, you know, Zach potentially has to put his equipment in the running water um, to do those projects. So, you know, we have to look at those in a lot of different ways, um, but they're, they're just as important um, as doing, you know, thousands of feet of small stream restoration as doing some of those larger big bank stabilizations as well. We, I think it's important to look at all those pieces together um, and to know that, you know, there's lots of pieces to the puzzle and we have to kind of hit them all. We can't ignore one and just right. do the other. Um, we need to kind of pay attention to all of them. And, and, and the other nice thing about the big stream stabilization work um, that we did at Mansker is that it's kind of urban too. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're working on, on something that people are seeing. And, you know, like we had mentioned before, there's a greenway there and people are passing by it all the time. So they can really understand and see what's happening uh, versus a lot of the small stream restoration that we do is out in rural areas and people may not see that as much. Um, but that the urban stream restoration is something that we need to do as well and make sure that everybody's focusing on because uh, that, that public education piece I think is important that you guys do a great job of getting people out there to see these things and, and know about them. So it's, it's all those different branches all gotta come, come together to make the whole thing happen and you know, build a resiliency and help with health of the watershed. You know, in thinking about, I guess, you know, the implementation side of small streams versus, you know, the large stream at, Man at Mansker, you know, Zach, when I picture, when I picture you doing the work, I picture you having the uh, excavator out there and some of you guys' larger equipment. Is, is that the same thing for these smaller stabilization or does it, does that kind of scale down the work you do? Uh, it, it's kind of the same thing as from a design standpoint, you gotta, you gotta come at it, you know, in, in different approaches. Um, you know, doing the larger scale stuff, yeah, it, it's kind of scary. And you're like, well, how, you know, there's this 20 foot bank here. How are we getting down there? Are we able to work in the stream? Um, you know, you've got to have the right equipment to do the right job. You got to have the right materials. Some materials are harder to find than others. Um, so th there's definitely a lot of uh, differences between the two, but very similar, you know, similarities. Um, I would say, and again, on the smaller streams, we're doing a lot of like offline channel work. There's a lot of, you know, coming back to that artistic thing, there's a lot of touch into how you're building these meandering channels and, and how, you know, each meander is tying into the riffle and how you want to grade these point bars and, you know, what kind of structures you're putting into, into each one of these streams. Some, some of the bigger ones, you know, use humongous boulders. Some of the smaller channels, we've just used like some brush or, you know, some other little tree limbs and things like that for, for stability standpoint. 
Um, so again, it, you just come at it from, from different approaches uh, and then you, you throw dam removal in there and the dam removal is totally different too. So um, it, it's, it's definitely a cool niche, but you definitely have to be open-minded when you come in from it from a construction standpoint, because you also are you know, coming into areas where like at Manskirt, we have constraints. So we're tying in here at this section and we have to tie in, you know, we're starting here and then tying in at this section. So granted, you know, four, 200 feet downstream, it looks very similar to what you're fixing, um, but you can't, you can't, you know, you're just going to keep piggybacking and trying to fix the whole channel, which is, you know, kind of, kind of unrealistic. So, you know, just looking at it from, hey, and then, and then again, on little like smaller streams, things like that, you know, they might be in areas where it's very hard to get equipment. Um, unlike Mansker, where we had the ability to get some bigger stuff in there, sometimes it's you know right next to a roadway, and, and, and obviously accessibility is just extremely hard. So it's you have to figure out logistics and, and what's going to happen there at that point. One one thing that I'll mention that we hadn't kind of talked about before, but I think is important too, is that an, another piece of all of these things um, really that we don't think about when we're talking about um, water quality and all the benefits of these projects. But, you know, there's there's a very big piece of these projects ends up being aesthetics um, mm -hmm. because you really want people to go there and, and look at it and appreciate what is happening. Um, and, you know, when when Zach and his crew come off the site, um, it's I, I, the, the sites, they, they just look great, you know, and they look really cool. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is super important um, to, you know, make make sure that, you know, people are happy with what they're seeing. And this is a lot of getting because these projects have a lot of, uh, the, the regulators have to look at them and they have to approve them. And they have to go through a permitting process. And we want them to come out and say, yep, this is exactly what you guys said you were gonna do. And they have to kind of like the way that it looks too. Um, and, and the public is much more likely to get behind something if it looks cool and they can see it too, which is another thing with Mansker um, and the bank stabilization work that we did there um, is that it looked great and uh, when the vegetation starts coming up, they can really see that happening. Um, so that, that's another great feature of these projects, I think. I agree, I agree. And you know, I would say another, to, to kind of piggyback off that is the installation of uh, educational signage that, that we had there, right? We've got some very impactful before photos that are, you know, and, and kind of a narrative written along it as well. So that's gonna pretty much wrap us up on Mansker. I did, I did have one additional question that I kind of wanted to ask you guys. So I've now, graduated both from my bachelor's and my master's, but I still kind of consider myself a recent, recent graduate. So, you know, I know, especially in undergrad, you know, I knew I was into environmentalism. I knew I wanted to work outdoors. I knew I was interested in streams and that kind of stuff, but I don't know that I knew that they're the type of jobs that you guys have exist. So could you guys kind of tell me a little bit about your backgrounds, you know, kind of what led you to that? And, and, you know, both you and, and, and Zach, you in particular as well, you know, you kind of have the, uh, the implementation kind of construction side of things with with kind of the environmental environmentalism side too so if, could you guys kind of tell what led you to this work and 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 kind of your backgrounds actually just, just from i guess an undergrad standpoint um i went to college and got a psychology degree oh, wow. um but but during you know during college during the summers and stuff to, to help out I, I worked with kci doing internships and mm -hmm. Um, you know, any, everything from, you know, going out monitoring vegetation to, to actually being construction labor to, you know, surveying to anything, um, during that time. So when I get out of school and, you know, I, they, 
Gabe offered me a full job to come on. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do this. And, you know, not thinking of using that side of the education for it. Um, but I, I loved it and it was interesting stuff and I love being outside and it's something different most of the time every day. So kind of went that route and, and just kind of getting that experience in, in everything like, um, you know, in the design work, uh, the beginning parts of, you know, my career with KCI and, and doing monitoring work all over the state of Tennessee and surveying and assessment and uh, basically have my hands in a little bit of everything. Um, and then, you know, moving into kind of where my career was going, um, I, I did a lot more of the construction side of things and the management side of things and um, like that. So then I went back to, to school and got my uh, master's in construction management okay. and then uh, and, and went and ended up sitting for my CCM, which is a certified construction manager, which is basically your PE in the construction side of things. And and that uh, that led to basically just being more of just the construction side. But to get to that point, I had to know a lot of things before right. that, it's, you know, right. especially now. And I know Adam respects that about me, that we can go out and I can look at a set of plans, and look at the stream and be like, OK, this this can work or oh, OK, this this isn't going to work just from either design or the implementation standpoint. So. Uh, it was good to get my hands in a little bit of everything before I actually like got into a niche and was like, okay, I'm just going to do the construction side of things. I would say so. And and that, you know what, Zach, that makes a lot more sense knowing you and being out on site with you. I did not know that about your background. Uh, and that makes a lot more sense because I've always known how uh, knowledgeable you were about kind of all things restoration. So that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> how about yourself? Long time yeah. coming. Long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, uh, wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I, I liked biology and environmental science, which my undergraduate degree was in. And then I did a master's of environmental management. And I got a, my internship during my graduate school was um, at KCI. And um, I just, I was like, oh, the stream and wetland restoration, this sounds fun. And, and for me, like kind of getting into this career, I really wanted to do work where I was literally working on projects and literally getting my hands dirty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, in the, in the environmental field, there's just so many directions that you can go in, um, you know, from like nonprofit work to policy work to, you know, governmental work. And, and so this seemed like the best kind of fit for me. And, you know, being, doing stream design is also something that I didn't really know that much about, but you can kind of come at it from my side, which was a environmental science and biology background, um, or there are folks that come at it from a pure engineering side, a civil engineering side. Um, so, you know, stream restoration is kind of where those two things come together a bit. Um, so we have people that work for us that are professional engineers and then other, others that are designers and, and don't have a strict engineering background, which is, was my case. Um, so, but, um, you know, it's, it's a very multidiscipline type thing where there's, you know, for the engineers I have that come on, I have to teach them what different kinds of trees are mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that, like a little bit of the environmental background. And then for, you know, the biology and environmental folks, I have to teach them about stream hydrology and, um, you know, the different, the curvature of the stream and, and the engineering components of it. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, discipline to be in and um, it's, it's constantly changing. I mean, it's a relatively young field. So like every time I go to conference, I'm seeing new stuff and getting new ideas. Um, and like Zach had mentioned before, there's a bit of artistry to stream design. Um, so that's kind of fun. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying new things and, and doing different things. Um, so it's, 
it's a fun and evolving uh, kind of career space to be in, which is one of the reasons that I like it so much. Absolutely. And, you know, I honestly, I, I've worked with a lot of engineers and I can see how having kind of both opinions can bring up, you know, both sides of things. Right. So, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, that, I think that's probably a really healthy um, practice for an organization to have. It's not an exact science. And I, and I think that's why I enjoy it a lot, because it challenges you and challenges you and challenges you every day. So it's right. pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. and then you tell people you do stream restoration, and they're like, "What? You you build lakes? You do you you do something? You build those with dams along? Yeah, you do something with ponds? You do what?" And it's like, <laughs> "No." So you're going back again. It's like, "No." I mean, have you been out to Goodlettsville? You know, Moss Ray Park. When you walk that Greenway, check out those you know check out those stream banks that was that we built that. Oh, cool, neat. That's pretty neat. Right. You guys do that stuff? <laughs> I never knew. I never knew that existed. But yeah, it's pretty neat. Well, awesome. This was this is super cool. This has been super enlightening, guys. We really do appreciate having you all. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you to Adam and Zach for joining Will on this episode of River Talks. If you'd like to see photos and video from the project, check out our blog at cumberlandrivercompact.org slash blog. And thanks to the supporters of the Compact who help bring our podcast to listeners. You can support our work by making a donation at cumberlandrivercompact.org slash donate.